The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Hey, good morning to you. Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be Proverbs 3. If you have an iPhone or less superior smartphone, you can Google <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, We'll be in verses 9 through 10 today. I want to talk to you about generosity. I have spent, in my lifetime, I spent about 11 years at this university. So I came here to to college for my undergraduate degree. And then I worked here for about seven years, a little over seven years. So in 11 years of attending chapels, which back in the day used to be three times a week. I don't know if some of you seniors probably remember the ancient days when it was three times a week. I didn't hear anybody talk about generosity to college students, to Cairn University students. And here's why I think they don't talk to you about it, because they don't expect anything from you. And that's sad. I'm talking from my own experience. The reason why I don't talk to college students about generosity is because I don't expect anything from you. But you're grown behind adults. You can give your money. You can be generous. Like, seriously. So, when I thought about what I'm going to talk about today, I was like, I'm going to expect something out of Karen's students. If everybody in this room gave about $50 a month to my church, that would be about my church budget every month. So I expect something from you. And God expects something from you, and that's more important than what I expect or any pastor expects. And so I am part of a church plant in Northeast Philadelphia called Liberty Northeast. Our director of the Liberty Network will be here later this semester to talk to you as well. His name is Steve Huber. You'll want to be there for him as well. I know everybody is the person you want to hear next, right? Anthony Bradley, Steve Huber, um, but you'll want to hear him as well. But if you are interested in church planning, Uh, you have a desire to do that, I would be happy to talk to you, and I'd be happy to give you resources, disciple you, mentor you, however that can be. I can be a help to you. I'd be happy to do that. But today, for the rest of you, I want to be helpful in drawing out the fact that we honor God when we're sacrificially generous with our money. And so today I want to talk about three points. I'm going to talk about consumerism, which has completely taken over our culture. And we'd be fools to think that it hasn't taken over our own hearts and our churches. But then I want to talk about how generosity must be a priority for us and generosity must be a response. So, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10 Hear these words from the book that we love. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. God cares about how you use your money. God cares about it. 
Some scholars estimate that about 25% of what Jesus teaches in the Gospels is related to money in some way. So think about that. What if every one of every four sermons at your church was about money? To keep consistent with Jesus' average. Your churches would be a lot smaller, but probably more financially stable. And well, he, Jesus is very particular about money, particularly in the Gospel of Luke. And so God cares about how we use our money, and God cares about how we use our money in a world that's very consumeristic. Our world loves to consume. Our culture loves to consume. And the fact of the matter is, if we are not shaped by Scripture, we will be shaped by the world. Something will shape you. So we have to think through this. We need to pray about this. We need to be concerned about it because our world values material possessions and physical comfort over spiritual values. We buy houses we don't need or cars we can't afford or we buy clothes just because it makes us feel good or we get the newest technology because, you know, John in class, he got the newest iPhone. I got to get the newest iPhone. I can't afford it. But I'm going to get it anyway, just to keep up with him. Or those are some nice vans he got. He's rocking those vans. I got to get new ones too. I mean, I only got mine a month ago. Or the new LeBrons came out. Got to get them. But we do these kinds of things. And sometimes that even means in our world, because it's so consumeristic, so materialistic, so hedonistic is sometimes our world, people in our world achieve wealth through unethical means. And that also means that they, people hoard wealth. And God is not interested in that. Because consumerism is take, 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 me, 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 me. And God's like, I'm not interested in that. God is a God who gives, gives, and gives again. You notice that's how Scripture talks about God and says this is the kind of person, this is the being that we want to emulate, this is the being we want to copy. God gives, he gives, he gives, he gives, he gives, and he gives again. And you know what's great about God? He gives and he doesn't expect anything back from us except faith and obedience. God gives, our world takes. See, I love Oreos. Like, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I know some of you are like, we can tell. <laughs> but see, like, I can eat a few Oreos, and that's fine. But there'll be times where I'll just, like, bang out the whole package of Oreos. And I'll just keep eating them. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just ate the whole package of Oreos. My kids are not going to be happy about this. <laughs> and I end up actually feeling sick. I feel sick because I ate all the Oreos. And that's what consumerism does to us. It will eventually make us sick. And God's aware of that. And God understands that part of the solution is to remember and acknowledge how I got my wealth in the first place. 
how I got the things that I have in the first place. First Chronicles 29 says something like this, that everything comes from God. Everything I have comes from God. It's a gift to me. Even my money is God's. And you might be here and be like, all right, well, we're talking about wealth, but I'm not necessarily wealthy. Well, the fact of the matter is you go to college. You're part of the privileged in the world. I, went, I got a graduate degree. I'm one of the privileged in the world. I am. And the fact that I was born and I live in the United States of America and that I live on more than $2 a day in the world, I am wealthy. We honor God when we are sacrificially generous with our money. So generosity has to be a priority for us. Look at verse 9. Right? Honor the Lord with your wealth. And then what does he say? And with the first fruits of your produce. To be generous, you have to prioritize being generous. In the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, right, makes about two-thirds of our Bible. In Deuteronomy 26, it lays out a standard. About 10% of our income should be given to God. And that's in our culture, like evangelical culture, and if you have a church background, that's what we call tithing, right? You give 10% of your income to God. That was the standard we may have all heard of, and it took care of the tabernacle, it took care of the temple, it took care of the priest. But actually, a lot of scholars have done research on this, and the percentage is not really 10%. The ceiling is not really 10% in the Old Testament. The ceiling actually is closer to 20%. 3% of your income. And in the old covenant, that was the ceiling. You give 23% of your income. Yeah, but they didn't pay taxes. Whoa, hold up. They paid taxes. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't have many kids. Well, hold up. You haven't been reading your Old Testament. You haven't been reading numbers lately. People had kids. Well, they didn't go through hard times like I go through hard times. Whoa. Have you read Exodus? And the God still says, I took you out of Egypt. I saved you. I've given you everything. I asked for 23% back of what is rightfully mine. First fruits means they're sacrificial. So we give from our first fruits, not our leftovers. We give out of sacrifice, not out of excess. See, there's this old story about this farmer who came to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I, my cow just had two baby calves. They're both healthy and beautiful. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell both of them. And I'm going to give the money from one calf to the church. And I'm going to keep the money from the other calf for me. So I'm going to give the sale of one to God and I'm going to give the sale of the other to what I need. And the pastor's like, thank you. That's awesome. I really, I really appreciate that. About a week goes by, and the farmer comes to his pastor, and he says, I'm sorry, pastor, but God's calf died. God's calf died. My calf, he's all right. 
See, he doesn't understand that God wants generosity before lifestyle. God wants us to feed generosity, to be generous before I feed my lifestyle. So when you do your budget, which you should all do your budgets, you don't ask, how much at the end of the month can I tithe? I say, how much am I going to tithe right off the top? And I'm gonna, what can I use for what's left for me to pay for? We ask, after tithing, what do I have left for other things? And if I have plenty of excess at the end of the month, I'm not giving sacrificially. So I give until I give sacrificially. My wife Amanda says our tithing should pinch a little bit. God's not asking you to break your leg or destroy your life, but God is saying it should be sacrificial. You should feel the pain of it a little bit. Then you know you're giving enough. See, if I don't get if I don't give out of sacrifice and I give out of excess, God says, I'm doing it all wrong. I can't just say, you know what, I have all this money at the end of the month, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give more. Unless I'm going to be sacrificial, uh, in order for me to be sacrificial, I need to say, what else am I going to give up? See, at the end of the month, you have enough money. You paid all your bills, you bought all your books, you did what you need to do, and you still have more. God's saying, you haven't been given enough. It's not pinching. We don't give out of our excess. We give sacrificially. And what that reveals in us is either we have an attitude of scarcity or attitude of abundance. The scarcity mindset robs God of what is rightfully his. I don't have enough, God. God says, wait, I've given you everything. Well, I don't have enough. In Malachi chapter 3, God actually says you're, to the people of Israel, says, you're robbing me. How are you robbing me? You're not tithing. You're not giving me your money. Everything is rightfully mine that I've given you. And all I'm asking for is you to give some to me back. And you're robbing me what's rightfully mine. A lack of generosity reveals in us that we don't believe God. We don't trust God, that God will take care of us even if I give a percentage of my income. Instead, we don't give because we're arrogant. We say, this is mine. I have earned this. I have built this up for myself. This is mine. I've worked really hard. I'm an RA. This is mine. I work really hard. I've worked 30 hours this week in the cafeteria. That's mine. Or we say, well, we don't give because we're jealous. Well, I got to keep up with my roommate, that guy. Yo, he's got everything. I got to keep up with him. So I can't give God. I'm sorry because I, I got to keep up these appearances. And I think you probably, if you've been, like, at least in your biblical introduction class, you probably understand, like, God's not super interested in your appearances. He's interested in your heart. Or we say, we don't give because out of self-pity. Well, I don't really make that much, God. 
we're like, my, my life's really hard, or I, I shouldn't really make what I should. You know, I get paid minimum wage, God. Like, that. come on. Like, you expect too much from me, God. Or we fear the future. We say, well, what if blank happens? What if, I, what if at the end of this month, this happens? So I better hold on to it. But in, that's a scarcity mindset. But an abundance mindset is to have the same attitude as God the giver, who gives and gives and gives and gives again. In the new covenant, the old covenant percentage, 10%, 20%, is no longer the ceiling, it's the floor. In the new covenant, the New Testament, the Bible just says, be generous. There are, I tell you, I know elderly women who make less money than you do who will, be, will just blow you out of the water in generosity. They blow me out of the water in generosity. They have fixed income from the government, and they blow me out of the water. And the question we have to ask ourselves, if we're not giving at least the new covenant floor, do I have a new covenant heart? Has the Holy Spirit actually changed my heart? Because if I'm not being generous, has the Holy Spirit actually done a work in me that's fruitful and faithful and obedient? Because in the new covenant, it's about kingdom, not consumption. It's about being generous. It's saying, I invest my money into the kingdom. It's not about what I get out of it, but how God can use it. I give because God can use my meaningless, what seems to be a meaningless $5 a week. God can use that. And I think it's important for me to call this out because this is something that happens in churches a lot. That giving is a both and, it's not an either or. And what I mean by that is the Bible says you need to be both generous with your money and your time and your talents. Too many of us have said, well, I serve at church a lot. I play on the worship team a ton. I give my money to a Christian institution. So that's basically the church, right? That's tuition, y'all. That's not what we're talking about. But someone say, hey, I play guitar for church, and I play a lot. Or I say, every week I'm back with the kids, man. Every week. So I, I, I'm generous with my time, sure, but God's not asking me then also to be generous with my money, right? God is interested in both money and time, both money and opening up your room so other people, it can be a safe haven for people, and sharing your snacks, and not always writing your name on everything so nobody takes what's yours. Now, there's another sermon in there where some of y'all are taking too much from your roommates, all right? You should ask first, all right? So don't say that Evan came and he said, I can take whatever I want now. <laughs> ask your roommates. But God wants money and serving at church. God wants your money and your talents. Because he's given you all of it. 
He's given you your money. He's given you your gifts. If you're at my church, you're like, I don't play guitar. I'm not really great with kids. I'm like, I have chairs you can set up. You have arms, right? You can do both. You can open up your room. You can be generous with your time and your friends and your family. But God wants your money too. It's not an either or thing. And generosity must be response. Look at verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Generosity must be a response to a promise. God promises to bless you when you give sacrificially. And see, we don't give because somehow that's going to lock God down and it's going to force him to bless us. We give in faith that God will keep his promise and bless us when we give. That God will bless us. And the blessing that's talking about in Proverbs 3 is the blessing of shalom. It's this wide-ranging biblical concept of peace, happiness, wholeness, fullness in life. Don't you want that? Peace and happiness and wholeness and fullness. These, what the Bible is talking about is not just, yeah, sometimes God does work it out. Well, you don't know how, but somebody, there's people in my church, they don't know how. Somebody, their mortgage got paid. They don't know. There's people in my church who've been generous, and for some reason, like $100 gets dropped off in an envelope at their house. They don't know. Sometimes God blesses you materially like that and financially like that. But God does also promise to bless you spiritually, to bless you relationally. Think about the joy that's on people's faces when you're generous to them and you give to them. Isn't that a blessing? Because generosity increases joy in us. See, the farmer gives in Proverbs 3 without knowing what the future holds. He doesn't know if this is going to be a good year for the crops. He doesn't know if it's all his cattle are going to die. He doesn't know, but God says, give me your first fruits. Give me what you have first, and I'll take care of you. You be generous not knowing what will happen. And when you honor God and you give sacrificially without knowing what the future holds, God says he will come through. And think of the joy it will bring you when God does what he says he will do. He says, trust me, and he does it. But so many of us wonder why we are miserable. We wonder why we're like, life just feels like, meh, meh. We're apathetic. We're cynical. And we don't have much joy in our lives. And I like to just take a risk here and say, it might be because you're not being generous. Like, this might be part of your life where you're not actually giving over to God. And you're like, God, how come I don't hear you, God? God, why aren't you listening to me? God, how come these people are experiencing blessings and I'm not getting anything? How come my life is so, like, miserable and difficult? It might be because you're not being generous. It might be. It might be something else. But it could also be because you're being generous. You have something that needs to be fixed, and God keeps saying, fix this part of your life. 
and you keep going, I know it's, it's painful. I know it's like I have a nail in my head. You ever see that commercial where the woman has the nail in her head, her husband's trying to fix it? And she's like, I don't want you to fix it. He's like, no, but you, you, have, an, you have something right. In, I feel like there's pressure in my head, all this pain, like right in this area. And he's like, yeah, that's because, she's like, I don't want you to fix it. And so of us are going, it feels like I have pressure right here. It feels like I have a nail in my head. There's something wrong with me, God. God, could you fix it? And God's like, there's a nail right here. Right here in your head. It's right here. I'm telling you, fix that. And we go, nah, it's got to be something else. And you might be skeptical and you go, well, this is my money that I earned, that I worked hard to get. And again, you have to acknowledge that at least some part of your wealth some part of even the small amount that you have has been given to you by someone or something else. If you were born in 13th century Tibet, no matter how hard you work, you will never gain wealth. So the fact, again, you're born in 21st century America and you can pick up extra hours at Starbucks has its advantages. And you did nothing to get here. Nothing. Your parents did something, but you talk to them about that, okay? <laughs> but you did nothing to get here. Nothing. And if you're a Christian here, and you're, you're a Christian, you've been Christian for some time now, let me just like shoot straight with you. You know better. You know better. You know God wants you to be generous, and you've been delaying obedience. See, delayed obedience is disobedience. If you wait to obey, if I tell my kids, pick up the toys off the floor, and I come back an hour later and the toys are still there, and they say, oh, no, Dad, I'll get to it. Don't worry. I say, no, I want you to do it now. No, don't worry, Dad, I'll get to it later. No, no, no. I'm saying do it now. In my book, that's disobedience. Because you're delaying what I asked you to do. And the same thing for God. See, consumerism makes us temporarily happy. But in the long run, it will make us greedy and empty. But honoring God with sacrificial generosity will make us happier, more joyful people. See, immunizations, when you get a shot from the doctor, it hurts for a minute. But in the long term, there's these long-term benefits you can't afford to ignore. Like, people used to die of measles and still do when they don't get their shots. Now, essential oil people, just like chill for a second, all right? <laughs> I, know, I know what you're thinking right now, all right? But the fact of the matter is people died from measles. People used to get polio. And the reason why we give our kids those shots and the reason why you get them too is because, it, yes, it's going to hurt in a little bit, but there's these long-term effects you can't ignore. People also live. They don't die at 40 anymore unless something tragic happens. So, yes, redoing your budget, or for some of you just having a budget, is going to hurt a little bit. Sacrificially giving is going to hurt a little bit. It might pinch a little bit, but there's this long-term benefit of joy that comes from generosity that you can't pass up. And honestly, people who are more generous than I am are just straight-up happier people. They really are. That's what it took for me. I saw people who were generous and how happy they were, and I went, man, I want to be like them. And I remember my friend Dave Wenger saying, you're not generous, Evan. You're not generous. And that hurt a little bit. 
But he was right. And generosity is a response to what we've already been given. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven, yet for your sake he became poor, so you by his poverty might become rich. Sacrificial generosity comes from a belief in God's grace. We know that we will be blessed by God because why? He's already done it for us in Jesus. You did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to get it. But Jesus, in his sacrificial generosity, by laying down his life, he left his heavenly comforts to live in first century Palestine. Think about that. Pre-vaccinations, pre-indoor plumbing. Jesus came to that world and he lived the life on earth you should have lived and died the death you deserve to die and rose again so that you might have a relationship with God now and always. Jesus came here in many ways so you can go there. And unless you acknowledge what Jesus has already done for you, your heart will never be generous. Your budget might change, but your heart may never change. You have to change. Your heart needs to change. Jesus died for you because he doesn't want your wallet. He wants your heart. But he knows that your wallet is an extension of your heart. Unless your heart changes, your budget won't. And you will continue to fail. You'll continue to feed lifestyle first. You'll continue to fall into consumerism unless your heart changes. Unless you acknowledge what Jesus has done for you. And when my heart embraces the sacrificial generosity of God who gives and gives and gives again and then gave me Jesus, I'll be filled with joy and assurance. You'll become a more giving person rather than a taking person. You'll no longer feel sorry for yourself, but instead you'll feel assured that God has, has and is taking care of me. And you won't fear the future because my, you realize your life is in God's hands and God never fails. He never drops the ball. So look, here's the deal. I was told a number of times that I need to get better at this. And I ignored it. I've heard it countless times at church. I heard it from friends, and I ignored it. So I'm not telling you I was perfect and I figured it out overnight. But here's what I am saying. Now I give out of my first fruits to my church. I get paid on Thursdays. Automatic giving goes out Thursday. I used to give it Friday because just in case I need to cancel the automatic giving, I had a day to do that. But now I have realized I couldn't do that. So I just gave. So here's the deal. Just start. Just start. Give five bucks. Give 50 bucks a month. Just start. And make it automatic. Give. Look, I'm not here so you can give to Liberty Northeast. But if you want to, libertynortheast.org slash give. <laughs> but, but give to your church. Give to charity. And here's the deal. When people ask me for things, I just try to be generous on top of that. So if somebody asks me for $5, I try to give them 5 bucks, or whatever I have in my wallet. If a guy, I had this happen to me recently, a homeless guy asked me for bus money. I don't know what he's going to use it for. But I said, well, I got 2 bucks. Does that help? Yeah. Jesus never says, then ask him how he's going to use it. He says, just be generous. 
Give and expect nothing in return, just like God gives and expects nothing in return from you, except faith and obedience. We honor God when we are sacrificially generous with our money. And I pray that you will consider this, and that your hearts will realize the assurance and the love that you have in Jesus and give out of that. Give generously because Jesus has been so generous with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these college students. I thank you so much for their willingness to listen to me. I know it's required on some level. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would change all of our hearts, myself included. Not just preaching at them, but I need to preach to my own heart too. I pray that we would acknowledge and realize all that Jesus has done for us, the sacrificial giving that he has given to us by dying for us. May we believe that. May we live out of that. And I pray you bless these, these people. May Cairn University be the place where people are like, those students are incredibly generous. They're not like normal college students because they can look and see, ah, Jesus has done something for them and give you all the praise and you all the glory. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. Have a great day.